This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 851, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you, the one with the ears there, you.
Hello, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 851. I am not a doctor, I am Josh Flanagan. And this is my co-host, who is also not a doctor, Connor Kilpatrick. That checks out. I did not go to medical school. It's true. Uh, we are iFanboy, and every week one of us picks the book they like the best from the stack of comics, virtual though it may be. We call that the Pick of the Week. We will talk about that book. Other books from the week, we talk about a patron pick. We will try viciously to hold down yawns that we don't know where they're coming from while you're trying to talk. It's 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 absurd. I can't, I'm, I'm like, why do I need to yawn so badly? Oh, there it is. I don't know what I'm going to do. Am I going to make you yawn? 3,000 mile away yawn. Maybe. It's not, it's not even to do with the comics. It's just just life. It's yeah, tired. no, it's... it's I, I just feel like my body's like... I, I, we could use a hit of oxygen now, if you don't mind. Uh, we. My body refers to itself in, in the plural third person. Absolutely. Uh, plural first person. Oh, boy. I'm losing it. We answer listener mail if we have time, and we want to. Connor really wants to. I could take or leave you people, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna do our best. I'm gonna cut out all my asides and jokes. I'm just going to do straight uh, analysis this week. That's all you're gonna get out of me. Um, so there will be spoilers. Uh, Connor, you have the pick. I'd appreciate it if you stay on task. Josh Flanagan was winning the hearts and minds of the people. <laughs> uh, this week there was it was a, it was like a not a light week, not a big week. It was fairly middle week, and there wasn't a lot of competition. For the pick of the week, which was Namor, the Submariner, Conquered Shores, number one, from Christopher Cantwell, Pasquale Ferry, Matt Hollingsworth, Joe Caramagna. And this is the, uh, I, what I would like to think of as the, the completion of the Matt Holl- uh, Christopher Cantwell Marvel trilogy of uh, egomaniac narcissists that began with Doom, then it was Iron Man, and now he's writing Namor. This is uh, right up Christopher Cantwell's alley. Marvel is the home for him because... Oh, sure. His specialty is this kind of character. This is well, something he did on TV, and now he's he's been doing a Marvel with these other characters who are just complete egomaniac. DC characters are egomaniacs, but they don't tend to experience that kind of hubris right. that these guys do. These guys do have a crisis of consciousness. Now, in Namor, I would have thought this that it would be a difficult thing to do, but that's sort of what he pulls off here. But like Batman's never going to do that. Batman's no, he's not, ego he's not is bombastic as uh, no. He's an egomaniac. It's just a, it manifests in a different way. Yeah, this anyway, is this is about late stage Joe McMillan. <laughs> so, I was not expecting what we got here. I just saw no. it on the list. I saw it on a Namor book, and I knew it was being put out to con- be in conjunction with the Black uh, Panther f- sequel, in which he's a character, which is what happens. And I saw Christopher Cantwell. I thought, oh, that's cool. And then I saw Pascal Ferry. I thought, oh, that's cool. And then that's all I knew. I opened the book up, and I did not expect what is essentially an Elseworlds comic. Uh, a alternate future story in which um, the was it the Cree who did it? The Cree come down. It, I, I wasn't sure, but I remember that somebody mentioned the Cree, and I thought maybe yeah. That's there's, what a, there's a flashback here. So the Cree says finally say fuck this, and they melt the polar ice caps, flooding the planet. All the heroes uh, rush off, who can rush off to space to fight them and never return, and so we're left with this post-apocalyptic uh, tale in which most of the earth is covered in water. Namor finally has dominion over the almost the entire planet. There's a little bit, bit patches of land here and there. And there are some underground cities in Atlantis that uh, house some of the refugees. But for the most part, it's just, it's all Namor's domain. And uh, so we, and Namor has at this point stepped down from the throne he has, ironically, Reed Richard's sideburns, and 
his cousin Namorita, who I always was, was a big fan of in the '90s, is now the in charge of Atlantis, and Namor just sort of goes around being Namor. Na- Namorita, which is Spanish for Little Lady Namor. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> I so I, I will confess in the beginning to being a little disappointed, just because. When in I the beginning up, of the book or after you finished it? No, in the beginning of the book, when okay. I was like, oh, it's not like Green Panties, classic Namor, you know, at, at his prime. But by the time I got to the end, I was like, oh, what's being told here is really interesting. And new. And new and different. This is a different mm-hmm. Namor story than you've ever read. Yes. And uh, does he have a little bald patch on the top of his head or is that just a weird coloring wow. choice? Um, that's just a weird coloring choice in one panel. So... What we find here is, is of course, Captain America, who is still around, because I guess he didn't go into space, although I think like he would have gone into space, but anyway. No, he would have had to stay to protect the people. Maybe. America. I guess we, didn't, we, didn't, we don't know what happened on the ground at the time. That's possible. He's, he's crap in space. No, he, he, he goes to the Kree-Skrull War. He, goes, he leads the armies in space. It doesn't matter. Anyway, the point is they allow well, us to have a situation that you and I love, which is... Uh, a, not a team up, but a regathering of the invaders. So yeah. we have Captain America, Namor, and at the end, Jim Hammond, Human Torch shows up. And I didn't think about this, but it's talked about in the uh, end of the es- issue essay that that uh, Cantwell wrote. These are all pre-Marvel characters. Yes, these are timely characters. These are characters from the Golden Age of comics. Namor and Jim Hammond and Captain America were all came out in the '30s and '40s, before Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, before Marvel was Marvel, and that's interesting. And you don't ever th- really think about that, but that's yes. that's the case. These are pre what we think of as Marvel, and what he says here is you don't you know there hasn't been a ton of story about. Jim Hammond, you know, about what his deal is. He shows up, he's cool, we like him, but, you know, there hasn't... There's not, a, there's not a definitive Jim Hammond. It's very difficult to read a story about him and go, oh, this is him. I think whenever anybody picks him up, they try to define him and figure out what it is, but there's not a there's not a right or wrong with it usually because I don't know what it is. And I say that as two of us, you know, forever, like when that character shows up, we, we pay attention, but there's right. a billion different versions of him. And why are these guys friends? Or why were they friends? War buddies. You know, other than just they were around. Well, and I think it's, it's war, I mean, to me, like, I think it's they, like they were war buddies. And so all right, of those things, I mean, sure. all of the disagreements that Steve Rogers and Namor have had over the years, they, they always get subsumed to a certain extent by that, you know, Band of Brothers thing. Right. So that's what I think. I mean, I, I don't know. We've only had one issue, but I, and uh, this is one of five, but. Uh, it seems to me this is almost going to be because because Namor isn't in charge of Atlantis and this isn't really about him being the king of Atlantis. I can only assume this is going to be some sort of investigation of his friendship with these with with Steve and Jim, um, because we don't really know what the story is yet. Uh, there's refugees, no. uh, you know, the people on the on the surface don't really have food. They don't really have power cells to keep warm because the planet's cold. And uh, it also re- sounds like. Like, uh, um, I'm sorry, Atlanta has, has the take capability to actually take care of those people and do it, but there's still a lot of animosity. It's like this Israel-Palestine thing that's always right. Well, that, that's what I was going to say is that there's a group of, of surviving humans who don't want to go living under the under the sea. Right. Uh, Steve lives under the sea. I don't. I don't love Steve's hipster Brooklyn haircut here, but I'll get over it. 
Uh, I don't know why they give him one of those things you'll see in Sexy Williams- town. Williamsburg now with the shaved side heads and the long hair on top. But um, uh, there's a group of people who don't want to go under the sea. They hate the Atlanteans. They blame them for what's happened. And one of the leaders of that group is uh, white, uh, sideburned Luke Cage, uh, who is, well, you know, not happy to see Namor at all. And so there's a lot of t- there's a lot of tension there. And this is very much a setup issue. Again, we don't really know what what the plot is or what the arc is going to be, but we do know there's just terrific character work. Uh, there's an interesting connection with all these characters, and then at the end, when Luke and Namor have a fight, and Namor gets sort of knocked down, and he looks up and he sees a hu- human torch. And at first, I thought it was Johnny, just because yes of the Namor Fantastic Four situation. But then uh, he he says, "Jim, oh, no, he says, wait, wait, torch." And then we find out we find out in the back it's it's Jim Hammond. You know, I had the before I got to the back like that confirmed it, but I thought the same thing. I was like Johnny Storm, and then I went Captain America, Namor. Oh wait, that's got to be you right. Know, and and of course that's what what's what it said. And the, like the first sentence, I still remember when the original Human Torch sparked my imagination, and I thought, oh man. And then he said it was in Marvels, and I was like, oh, we're the same age, or I'm older than you, <laughs> you know? Because like my yeah. first Human Torch is West Coast Avengers, you know. But yeah, whatever. That, that was my first. But then I got I went back and uh, when I when I was uh, a kid, I went to New York Comic Con and bought a stack of the Roy Thomas Invaders books probably nice. for like 10 bucks. I probably bought like 20 of them. I have a stack of those downstairs. And I read them, you know, until they fell apart. But, uh, which is something you did as a kid and you don't do as an adult. Um, but it was just, it, it, there was basically no competition this week. There was one other book that could have been picked of the week. But at the end, this has the most promise. This was the most interesting. It was the most unexpected. Pasquale Ferry's mm-hmm. art really works very well for this I- book. Can I say that I looked at the cover and I was like, all right, who drew this? And I saw Pasquale Ferry and I went, cool. And But it wasn't because I'm a huge Pasquale Ferry fan. Like, I, I know that he's good, mm-hmm. but I was just like, cool, a, a veteran. Yes. And I, I don't mean like a like old time. It was like, oh, this this is a guy who knows how to do comics. Like, I know, like, it's not one of my favorites, but I also know he's really good. And that was totally enough for me. And but then also, I read like, it, and it, it, just and it weird enough. Yes. There's just a bit of weirdness to the way he draws people that it works in a story with Namor in it. Who is looking? Who is weird looking? Yes, you know, I I, I, don't, I don't know why the comics loves these shirts where it's just the shoulders and the neck. Like, yeah, I don't know. How, how do they stay on? Uh, and what's the purpose? Why? I mean, they're, they're like neck. They're like uh, shoulder pads. Like uh, like it's the kind of thing that I would get as armor in Assassin's Creed. Right, like it's the just, video game thing. Like it's how does the how do the side bits around his ribcage hold up? Like yeah, that's weird. But you just, got you know unstable molecules. Who gives a shit? I understand. I, I'm not. It's just I you know I just I just love classic panties Namor so much. It's just uh-huh. the air, the pure arrogance of him sitting man spread in the panties is just the best. Well, I mean, I think I think it actually goes along with the fact that uh, the, what I found interesting about this was that it was a Namor who had aged and matured. Yes, it was a different. And Namor I liked I that. I liked in in like. You don't do that. That doesn't ever happen with him. He's ne- like the only time he ever shows his quote unquote human side is, you know, when he's having those intimate conversations with Captain America. In comics, it's or the Sue. only time it happens. It's, yes. It's, it's with Sue or with his war buddies. Yep. That's really the only time we ever get behind the mask. Of, but here, of, he's got a real sense of, and I, you know, honestly, I'm not entirely sure what combination of story and art 
put this in, but he has a real sense of uh, thoughtfulness mm-hmm. about him. Like the, his face, the way that his face is drawn a lot of times, it's not arrogant and impertinent and imperious rexing. You know, he's he's like, what am I supposed to be doing? Did I do the right thing? Should I? But, but not in a way that, you know, like he's doubting himself. Like he's mm-hmm. just trying to figure out the best thing to do going forward. And I, and I, I, I don't want him to be like this all the time. He doesn't need to be. He no, no, need no, to be this like is perfect poor. for the story. I would want this to see story. the Marvel Universe version. Yeah, right. And 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 I, and I was like you said, he was surprised about it. I did not, I did not know what to expect. I did the same thing at the beginning. I thought, oh, is this going to be okay? And then as you go on, you're like, oh, this is great. You know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's it's spelled out in in perfectly constructed fashion. The first scene, you know, so it opens up and we see the Statue of Liberty. You know, water up to the arm. We only see the, the, the we only see the torch left, and we see two guys pop up out of the water, and they've oh, there's a metaphor, and they're dragging uh, these cubes behind them in a net, and Namor shows up, and they're like, oh shit, Namor the Submariner, and you're like, oh shit, that's not the Namor I was expecting, and then they said, hey, sorry, we stole these from Atlantis, and you figure Namor's gonna skewer them with his trident, but he's like, I don't give a fuck, take them, and I was like, oh shit, what? Like that's right, right there. It was uh, yeah. Yeah, diff- you, it was told you right away. This is a different name. I mean, he was a dick at the end. He said, "Look, I don't. You can take him, but you can never come to Atlantis." So, um, bye. And, yeah, but, but it was but, still just like a thing he had to do in bluster. Like, right, I don't but know I mean, it wasn't. Even... It still wasn't what you were expecting as right. a no, reaction exactly. from this. Exactly. And so it's that also told a very you right squat off the trident. Like it's very, like it's like oh, it's it's not all that long. It's just very it's compact. It looks more uh, hefty. Like that would really hurt. Yep. Anyway, this was really fun. If you're Looking for a Namor story, you never read a Namor story. If you're worried about continuity, it's not. Don't worry about it. It's an, like I said, it's like an Elseworlds alternate future story. So it's it's totally just jump into it without any knowledge. It's super fun, uh, and I'm looking forward to more. I mean, Cantwell really does these character miniseries really well, and uh, I'm looking for forward to. It. I mean, between Doom, Tony Stark, Namor, and like Reed Richards, he can. He can just keep writing those guys over and over again. I, yeah, I got to say, you know, like ha- having watched uh, Halt and Catch Fire a couple times, and I know that he co-created that and co-wrote yep. it, but I can't help but see that. We've, we've talked about this. I can't help but see that parallel between these characters and Joe McMillan on that show. And I know I'd, I'd alluded to it earlier, but Joe McMillan is a character who, one of my favorite I have, I have a real thing about redemption characters, people who start out awful and then over a long period of time sort of become better people and then eventually can even become good people. And Joe McMillan's arc over the course of that series is fascinating to me because he's pretty irredeemable. Yep. Even by the end of the second season, he's pretty fucking awful. And the way that it's done is is very, it works really well. And by the end, you kind of love him. And he's bringing that same thing to so many of the Marvel books. Not everything, but but you can see it in the Marvel books he does. And it's just great to see this this one thing that I love mm-hmm. being transported really nicely into this other thing that I love. Um, you know, and he, he's just... I mean, I, you can listen to the talk split I did with him. We talked about that a little bit. But, it, you know, it, it just he seamlessly brought that into Marvel Comics. And uh, he's just, he's very good at it. And he does other kinds of comics, too. It's not like it's the only thing he can do. No, no, for sure. But, but um, he's very good at these kind of characters, and there's, there's a plethora of them in Marvel. Yeah. Uh, a book I did think about for a minute as a pick of the week was The Amazing Spider-Man 905, or 11, depending on how you feel about the, the world. Um, this is the start of a new arc, The Return of the Hobgoblin. And th- this issue did a lot of things that I love. This is Zeb Wells and John Romita Jr. But I like the idea of 
these goblin personas as almost like viruses. Mm. You know, like between Green Goblin and Hobgoblin here, where it's like they are sicknesses that they can't that these people who get infected with them can't help themselves. You know, it's right. almost it's almost addiction or it, yeah, like it's almost like chronic. this psychotic virus that goes through these people in this world that they just can't stop it, and they when they catch it, they have no choice. And, and then they I, keep trying to think that they can maybe then utilize it and control it. Well, it's just this one time, you know. It's it's, and then it always backfires. It's, it's more than more so than any other. It's not like the rhino, you know. It's not like the rhino is is this way. It's just like, it's like the, with these two characters, it's just they can't. It's just it's it's just interesting as an idea that they, they just it almost is a sickness. But um, I loved this whole issue. Um, Betty Brant shows up again because she, she's married to Ned Leeds, who is the Hobgoblin. And uh, it's actually kind of disturbing. You know, in the beginning when she's talking to Peter on the phone, they haven't talked in a while, and then she opens the door to her kid's room and there's the hobgoblin holding her baby. And, uh, you know, that's the the way that Romita draws him in that uh, Scott Hanna inks and Marcio, I mean, his colors, it looks creepy. Like, it looks just, like, weird. Yeah. It's not, like, dark and shadowy. It's just the juxtaposition of this guy in this costume holding this little baby, it was just weird looking and enough to be off-putting. So I never read most of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I was aware of the Hobgoblin, but I just for whatever reason, that was part of the thing I missed. I think he had appeared and gone by the time I was reading comics and sort of, I was after the point where he sort of popped back in. But I always thought, I really loved the design of the character. Like, I think I liked it better than Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was a really interesting uh I, th- I think there's some point where it probably goes too far, but I like that, you know, it sort of spawned a different kind of, I just thought it was cool, yeah. but I didn't really know anything about it. So some of the bits of like, who I was like, I don't even really remember who Ned Leeds is. I know who Betty Brant is obviously. Um, and I, but anyway, I feel like this whole thing just smacked of Spider-Man flavor. Gosh. For sure. And that's, that's why I love this so much. And Ned Leeds hasn't always been, we, we meet, the, we meet another guy who was the original hop right. here. So it's, that's what I mean about a virus. It sort of infects people and goes through different people. But I, I really love the idea of Kamala Khan as Peter's nephew, I'm not, <laughs> as his intern. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why I said nephew. Intern uh, at at Oscorp. You know, it, it's it's fun to have her as a supporting character here. They have a fun repartee. You know, the, you, we just know something is wrong with Norman. And the thing is, it, it may not be the thing we think it is, but something is wrong. And you've got to love how, like, Peter should know this. Oh, yeah. But also, like, there's a bit where he like starts yelling at everybody. I was like, "Why are you? Why are you letting him do that? Like, that's Pe- not the relationship you have." But he he takes it. Peter is kind of like Wally West in that uh, he wants to believe the best in everyone, and mm-hmm. so he keeps giving Norman these chances. Yeah, and, and we, know, we know that Norman will eventually right. betray that chance, but he do keeps giving it to him. Do you ever try to picture Norman Osborn's hair if it was real? Oh, I wrote then, a whole I wrote a whole article about this at iFanboy a long time ago. Oh. Like, what could this possibly look like? It, it, it the the I'm sorry, I don't remember that, but I don't. No, remember no, it was a long time ago. I just so every time I try to do it, I can't come up with anything that looks like it would be a real thing. Well, what's I interesting mean, like, about this one is, in the past, for lack of a better term, the cornrows are usually going the other direction. I was l- noticing that as I looked at it. Yeah, it was weird. They're going, and I don't think cornrows were a thing that certainly white people knew about. No, no, no I'm just, I just trying to figure out a, a way to describe it. But the, yeah, no, I know. It, it usually goes horizontal, yes. not vertical. And so 
anyway, this updated his style. I'm trying to picture it as like a curly thing. It I can't I can't do it. I don't. It's it doesn't weird. exist. It do, I know it doesn't look like Willem Dafoe's head. I know that much. <laughs> who was the original artist for Norman? Was it uh, Ramita Senior? Had to be Ramita Senior. I guess it could have been Ditko. Ditko was on it for a long right, time. Did Ditko draw it like that? We have to go back and look in the omnibus. Uh, I'll, I'll investigate. I'll forget. Um, I love the black cat stuff. I mean, I just I'm a sucker for this, the Peter Parker uh, yeah, love triangles cool. and him finally finally asking her. He's like. Let's not do this again. Let's not do the thing where we, we banter and chase and flirt. And why don't we just go on a date? And she was like, uh, whoa. All right. Um, that, that was that fun. worked. Created by Ditko. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just all... And then there's the the, the, the confrontation with the original Hobgoblin, which doesn't go... The, like, there was just a lot of great Spider-Man lore and history here. And it was fun and over the top. And madness rides the night wind. You know, it's... It's just fun. Spider-Man's really fun right now. And it it was fun at the beginning of the Nick Spencer run. It got less fun as it went along. It's back to being fun again. Yeah. And I really yeah, enjoyed Zeb it. Wells is, you know, a quality writer. Zeb Wells is a great writer. TV he and he does also a lot of TV this. stuff. I think he just did an episode of was it She-Hulk? She-Hulk. Yeah, it was yeah. She-Hulk because I and finished and I was like, that was a good episode written by Zeb Wells. I was like, there you go. That's why. He's terrific. Um, I, so for the record, uh, mm-hmm. Ditko drew him. It has a it's it's they're horizontal, so they're they're uh, perpendicular to his face. Yeah. But there's a part down the middle. Hmm. So you can kind of see it. It's like if you had red hair and it was sort of like lacquered down, mm-hmm. but it does look a little. I'm gonna say nappy, for to for the point of clarity. I'm I not sure. When I'm the sort of ro- the 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 rose came, were introduced. I mean, they kind of look like Rose, but I feel like when, like, as people picked it up, they just kind of turned into that thing. It's weird. But it's also, it's got a huge widow's peak, mm. which I guess it still does. Anyway, I get the, the other thing that I was noticing is that there's a whole article on Osborne, Osborne's hair oh, sure. that I just found here. But it's by a guy whose stuff I don't particularly like to read. Um I don't think that this is the best John Romita Jr. I've ever seen in my life. He's clearly adapt. Just let me finish, though. Sure. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's clearly adapted his style to, for whatever reason, aging, uh, economy, uh, you know, personal taste, whatever it is. And I think if I was to look at it on the surface, like if you were to show me these pages out of context, I'd be like, I don't think these are great pages. But man, does it work or what? Yes, it like, does. It works so well. It's just like, oh, you're home where you're supposed to be. And there's all these pages in here that are like close-ups of faces talking, and they don't even hitch on it. Like it shouldn't work. It's it's that's not good comic book writing, really, to have this many pages of people just looking at shit and talking to each other. But <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even hit it. It didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, this was the most fun I had reading a comic this week. I really liked Namor, and it was interesting and led a lot of questions, and it wasn't what I was expecting. And I'm really looking forward to more. But I had the most fun reading Amazing Spider-Man 905. It's just it just hits me where I live as an old Spider-Man fan. I'm always excited to see when it's out. I'm excited for a new arc. I was excited to see Hobgoblin. I was excited by Black Cat. Spider-Man going to go on a date. Like I've just liked all of it. I liked. So all that's of it. surprising because I would think that if it if it wasn't the most fun, I would imagine Duo Powerbomb number five was your. That's a pretty fun comic. It was good. Are you back on it? Yeah, yeah, I caught up. Because you you dropped off. But this I didn't is... drop off. I missed a couple issues and I got yeah. behind. It's not the well, same. So it, it, one of the things about this this new world of comics we live in is I never know, well, 
we, we of course never know when things are going to end, but mm-hmm. uh, how long is a miniseries these days, right? It used to be six, mm-hmm. now it's five, but image, you can do whatever you want. So this is issue five of Do a Powerbomb, and I was like, is this it? Because, you know, I don't, you know, you're conditioned to, now five is it, but it's, no, it's going seven. So Daniel, which one drops hey. this doesn't give a fuck. Uh, so I didn't know where we were in the story arc, you know, it was just the penultimate story, is this the climax? Like I just, I was trying to figure that out as we read, because this, this is the final, sort of the final this is the uh, end of the, the second final. act. It is the final uh, wrestling match in this wrestling tournament between our heroes right. and the uh, other two, whose names I don't know. They're the fuck your stupid opinions. That's the name of their team. <laughs> um, and it's a brutal fight. It's a really brutal. The brutal whole issue battle. is basically a wrestling match. A very brutal, like no holds barred, like full on. The only thing that they're gonna, the ref is gonna do, is call a pin. And that's it. Right, so that they set it up that it's uh, uh, you can get pinned anywhere in the whole arena. It's a ladder match, and there's just no there's just no rules basically. That's what that's what our heroes uh, whose names I don't remember, but that's what they p- pitch to the something sun and something snake. Right, and it's a brutal fight, but you know that was as we as we talked about just you know incredibly well drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson again, the most dynamic artist in comics right now. But to me, the most interesting part of this issue was the somewhat backstory for their opponents. Yeah. And then at the end, our the heroes lose pretty badly. And then the the opponents turn on each other because I guess only one person can be chosen. The whole thing about this story is that this is a cosmic wrestling tournament and the winner gets to bring back to life some one person. And so all these people who've got dead loved ones are wrestling. And so... Uh, these people who are teamed up, it's a, it's a tag team tournament, aren't friends, aren't family. They were put together. They each have someone who they love, who who they want to bring back. And so now, as our heroes are broken and bloodied on the on the mat, which is just covered in blood and debris, uh, the the two the two tag team partners turn on each other at the end. It was I wasn't expecting that at all. But it was also like very like uh, none of it was angry or arch like nobody there's no bad guys here really mm-hmm. like oh, the guy yeah. who's running it's kind of like a weird chaos demon or whatever yeah. but you know, like they made an agreement it was they, they're they're all trying to get their person back they all understand that the other people are trying to get their people back and and so like the last thing is like i guess we'll fight to the death and the thing is like it's and that's what's interesting it's like yes we are all on the same position i understand your pain as much as anything, but I still have to beat you because I need to get my wife back or my da- my daughter back and it, or my. And it's to uh, the death because uh, yeah. if you can't win, there's no point in being around anymore. You know, right. like like is this acceptance of this awful thing that's going on, and it's hard to feel bad or happy for anybody who wins because somebody else has to lose, and it's it's heartbreaking. And that's been kind of the genius of the whole book throughout the entire thing is that you know. Anytime there's a, as, as we, you know, we're rooting for our, these these main characters, but any, every time they won a match previous to this, it was like the heartbreak on the losing team was palpable. And they were all like honorable people. Yeah. Like there's no, there, there are no heels in this necessarily. Well, the, the, this, this, these guys are kind of, fuck your opinion, people are kind of, kind of jerks. Yeah, but, but it's, but it's all just the show. Like they're not, yeah. like they're, they're trying to win because of their cause, which is just from right. their point of view. It was just, I mean, I'm just flipping through these pages. God, this, mm-hmm. these action sequences are just, I mean, out of, I would say out of this world, but it's a, it's a, it'd be a pun, but it's just incredible what he's been doing with this book. 
Yeah. I, I liked it when I got this. this I was like, oh, this is all just going to be a big fight. And you can watch this guy do what he does best. And also about a thing that he loves. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like he, you know, I, again, I talked to him. Uh, there's a, there's a talk explode and like, he just, he just got really into wrestling, you know, mm-hmm. and loved it. And so you're just watching a guy do the best thing, you know, about something he loves. And it, it's, you know, it's hard to deny that. You can see the passion in the pages. I mean, it's oh. it's all it's there. I'm, I'm like happy he, for yeah, him. You to... know what? He's a guy. I feel like when he gets bored with making comics, I feel like you're going to see it on the page. <laughs> like it's, oh, he's just he just doesn't care. Like I don't know, but like I feel like when I look at his stuff, it's like he really cares, and that's what makes it come through. It'll be really interesting to see if he keeps that up. Oh yeah, I mean the the, the level of detail and background work, and uh, it's just amazing what he does with these pages, but. Uh, it's it's a really fun book. I mean, there, 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 it wasn't a bad week at all. It just, it just was a, you know, as we get away from the, sort of these top three, it's sort of they sort of the, we sort of fall off a little bit. But um, those are terrific. Those top three we just talked about. Did you read uh, Hitomi number one from Image Comics? I did. I did. Um, what did you think of it? Um, I pretty much liked it. I felt like it probably needed I need a little more to get a handle on it. It's it's fairly unsurprisingly distant in terms of who the characters are. Like they they don't give us a heck of a lot. You've got a female, I think it 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 it's in the book like this, but it describes her as a, you know, she was a warrior so she's kind of a ronin. It's not it's not unlike Usagi Yojimbo, but she's on a revenge mission to find the guy like a black samurai who uh, killed everyone in her village except her. Uh, yeah, this is a, so not this is an a samurai story. story. Yeah. This is a samurai story. Surprisingly, no demons or monsters or anything. It's just uh, well, a samurai story. And, and and the description of that that didn't have that just put me over the top. It's like you're just gonna do me a samurai story. Awesome. By a story by H. S. Tack, art by Isabella Mazzanti, uh, layouts by Nicoletta B. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Valentina Napolitano, Napolitano on colors and Rob Jones. I don't know any of these names. Um, you know, I, uh, Samurai Story. I thought is, the art is, was very good. Um, also, we just—I just want to mention the the black uh, black samurai. Doesn't mean he's he's not of African descent. He just says his skin is a, is a strange beet color, but he is Japanese. Um, but she says, yeah, yeah. He's just called yeah. black samurai. He wears a black suit of armor and he's right. got dark skin, but he's not. I just wanted to clarify that. Um, I thought the art was terrific. I thought the Isabella Mazzanti art and I guess Nicol- Nicoletta B on layouts, uh, I thought it was really strong. That's probably my favorite part of the book. I thought the story was a little simple and it almost veered into sort of all ages territory at times mm-hmm. in the way it was written, but um, I really did I, enjoy it. I think that's one of those things where like that to me kind of goes with the genre and it it remains to be seen whether that you know pays off or changes or is different, but it's just this mood of sort of being in this cold, desolate place, and nobody is allowed to have any emotions about anything, and it's mm-hmm. all very stiff, and you know, it's kind of what it is. Maybe there will be more to it, but if not, I'm kind of cool with just reading this anyway. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I mean, at the very least, I like looking at it quite a bit, and there's a little ironic turn at the end where the girl, who's young, she's probably like 12, um gets betrayed by this boy she meets and is she that young she looks like it i think so but i don't get the sense that she's a kid but because she's supposed to be like her the description is she's a a a disgraced 
Uh, a drifter with no prospects begins training in secret under Yasuke, a disgraced, once feared warrior. She struggles to find the old man is the, okay. is the is the warrior. She's okay. just a kid. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, Actually, but she gets betrayed date. by this boy she meets, and because she had stolen a bottle of sake from maybe she's sixteen, but she's a kid. Yeah. And uh, you know the the samurais that she stole from, you know, basically. You know, chases her until she falls into a frozen lake, and she's actually saved by the samurai she's hunting. But she doesn't know that because she's passed out, and she doesn't right. know that he saved her life and made a fire next to her, put her under a blanket, and left her. And you know, uh, so that was a nice, nice little twist. But yep, I I, I, I certainly enjoyed it. I just was I'm like, glad. oh, this could be a little bit better writing, but I I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it could be better, but it's it's also like I don't know who these people are. Like, I don't know if they have any experience with it, you know. And compared to every other uh, image, number one, it, you know, it was one of the better ones not, for sure. It's it's not uh, uh, it's not a new formula to do a samurai story. Right. Uh, so if you're gonna do it, just do a straight up regular, and that's fine with me. There w- there wasn't a twist. There wasn't. I mean, you know, like not a. There's not a werewolf or anything, and right. I'm I'm so glad for that. Like so that far. gets you so many points for just not doing it. <laughs> it's, it's it's for whatever reason the samurai genre is okay, like for 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 nerds. It's like that's okay. We can do that, but anything else, we got to put a demon in it. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so Daredevil six hundred and fifty three is at this point. Chip Zdarsky's been writing this for so long mm-hmm. that. Take it in whatever weird direction you want to do it, Chip. I don't care. Like, yep. you know, at the end of this, Daredevil's wearing like a full-on crazy, you know, not samurai outfit, but sort of ninja, even more than he's been wearing before. And he and Electra get married by by Stick in this, you know, the tradition of the not the of the fist. And you know, they're they're living in a mountain. They brought the cop with them and. It's they all got, uh, crazy. Doc Sampson, who's now Sasquatch, and Doc <laughs> Sampson. The cops, this is all about the cop. Half of this is about the cop going, what the fuck am I doing? Nah, this is a good idea. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> um, but there's like a group of X-Hand, which I wouldn't think would be possible. You're right. I mean, what you just said was a very different version of exactly what I was going to say was, mm-hmm. I-, I would think that on paper I would not like this. But when I got to the end of it, I was like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Like, it, I don't know. It, it's just like maybe that being in Hell's Kitchen and going back and forth over this over and over again, and they've done all sorts of different things and went to different places and tried different Daredevils, but for some reason, this one's working for me as of right now. Yeah. And and it because it's been building, like, it it fits with the, the Daredevil story we've been reading all along, you know? The, the, the development of this Cole guy has been super interesting. Right. Um, You know? Foggy was going to go on a hike with them, and they were like, you really don't want to go. And he's like, eh, all right, I won't go. I need his hiking clothes on. It was nice. <laughs> I mean, the whole star-crossed lovers thing with Elect- yeah. he and Electra, and, and the fact that they're basically now the same person. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're both Daredevil. They're both wearing Daredevil outfits. They both have the same overcoat. Like, they're, they've become the same person, basically. That's, that's and, a, you're, 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 you're good at the analysis on this issue, my friend. And... Well, that's probably not a good thing for Matt because she's no. kind of psychotic. But I also so like though that so whatever. he keeps talking about Kirsten McDuffie, his other yeah. girlfriend, and and like he's like, no, I love her, but I'm doing this thing and I have to, and and I'm okay with that now. But he, it's not full. He hasn't yes. he hasn't forsaken all of the rest of his life. He's just recognized that this is the thing 
that he's got to do now. And obviously there's going to be fallout for that. But I think just acknowledging that other thing was a really smart way to do it. I don't know. There's like a lot of self-doubt in this, but it isn't annoying. If that makes sense. But at the same time, this is very classic Daredevil. Like yes. when, when they yes. show up and sticks there, he's like, oh, fuck me. Like, you know, like it's it's enough where it's just, it's a weirder out there story for Daredevil, but it's also very Daredevil. It makes, I, it makes total sense. I really, I got to the end and I was like, I really enjoyed that. And I cannot, I don't know why. It doesn't <laughs> seem like it, but I, I, you know, I just fell into it. I'm just like, I'm going with it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Which is, you know, which is how, what you got to do. Yeah. Um. Over at Boom, I had to make sure I was saying this correctly. I have The Approach, number one. This is written by Jeremy Hahn, who most of you will know as an artist, although he's done a lot of creator-owned stuff, and his partner Jason A. Hurley. All right, Illustrated by Jesus Hervas and Leah Caballero, or Caballero. I shouldn't do this because I'm going to do it wrong. (laughs) Brett Weldeley on colors. You may remember him from The Surrogates. Did that art. Maybe Mm -hmm. other art after that. Um, I know. Uh... So, most of this issue is about a small regional airport that has been snowed in and the staff who have to work there while this happens. Okay. Is it on Nantucket? I don't... No, no, it's not... It's not Wings? It's not, it's not Wings. Okay. It's, a, it's a slightly bigger airport than that. Uh, they have to... There's a huge snowstorm. They have to divert a plane to come in. All the people are working really hard to clear the runway so the plane can land and then making sure that those people are comfortable. Um... And honestly, if it was just about like small airport bureaucracy in a storm, <laughs> I was I was so into it. I'm like, and it was, I'm saying that I'm saying it's really well done. Uh-huh. And then uh, a plane crashes out of nowhere, you know, and like this plane went off the charts 27 years ago, and the pilot is is burned up, and then the body gets up and kills somebody. It's a monster, mm. which isn't bad. I, I knew it was going to be that because Jeremy Hahn does a lot of horror stuff. It was fine. But most of the issue wasn't. That was right at the end. And really, the first part was, like, about these people who... It's about people who are in an airport who are trying their best. We're, so, we're all just trying our best these days. I know, know, but airport people are so maligned. I know. I know. That I was so like, much it's kind of sweet. I thought it looked great. You know, it really captured this sort of normal bit of humdrum life. And, made, you know, like, the atmosphere was really good. Uh, you know, it's a monster. It's a zombie or whatever that's in there. Yeah. You know, if you like that kind of thing, I think this is great. If you don't like this kind of thing, you're still pretty well done. I was I was actually really impressed by it. I had fun. I'll read the next one. I just love wings. I love that show. <laughs> uh, Fantastic Four 693. This is a the end of a two-part arc that is taking place uh, in between the Dan Slot run and the new creative team that comes on next issue. And it's a, a AXE Judgment Day tie-in. And it feels like half the Marvel books I read this week were, were those. And since I think, I'm not reading those books, I was I was not super into a lot of them. Yeah, but you know what? I feel like it's a lot like the King in Black, where each issue, like it should be annoying when it starts. I'm like, oh, it's this thing. But each issue is like this thing where the character has to prove themselves to be good, which is what all these characters are doing all the time. And I I don't mind it as long as well. It's this well issue done. was even more because the only time was really uh, read, and he was off camera the whole time. But right, um, I found myself putting my editor hat on while reading oh, this, God. and and. I feel like you could have done... First of all, I like the setup. The idea of it, it's called The Taking of Action Building 1234, which really made me want to rewatch the original Taking of Pelham 123, but, um, or the new one. Either one's fine. But the idea of a, you know, like a heist, not a heist, but sort of a, a takeover of the building by 
like terrorists or whoever. And, you know, that's interesting. But the whole time we had read in, in caption boxes talking over the action and it was just was extraneous to the story. Like it didn't, oh, it didn't have anything to the, the table. Like I know Reed loves Sue. I know Reed loves Johnny. I know Reed loves Ben. I know he has respect for them. Like I didn't need any of these caption boxes. And I started reading pages without them at first. Uh-huh. I'm like, this is much better. You're, you're a hundred percent on. I thought, you know, Dan Slott never had to do any of this shit, any of this introspective, why I love my family crap. It's just, it's, and also, so then, so that, the, and what made that worse is that, and you, you had mentioned this to me and I wanted to like, these last two issues mm-hmm. are the last two issues of the whole volume. So whatever this is, 48, 40, yep. you know, 48. the rest of it was all Dan Slott. Yeah. Why would you not end with Dan Slott? Why would you tack two issues on the end that had nothing to do with that other thing? Right. That doesn't make Weird. any, I was annoyed. That annoyed me. That made me, everything about the issue that I didn't like, it annoyed me more because it was completely different. Like, it's unrelated. Keep your, I don't get it. I don't understand that choice. Yeah. The, the, there was one thing I genuinely did like, and I, I, I enjoyed this for the most part. Again, if you just take off the caption boxes, it's a much stronger story. But the password to read Super Secret Vault is Imperious Rex. And I thought that was mm-hmm. very funny. That was. Like, the, like the, very the, bitchy the, of Reed. I did some research. I was trying to learn about the, the, the oubliette midas uh-huh. or whatever so i knew because it was re- like every 10 sec at uh, 10 words she was like my father my father yeah. my you know in the end they were like your father didn't love you and she breaks down and i was like Ugh. <laughs> so you, it wasn't even her father the dna didn't match i know that's what i mean but yeah. like it, it just it was a little like they didn't really have enough to work with there and so they stretched it out for a really long time it was overwritten you know, it was, it was overwritten. way overwritten I'm really enjoying Dark Space's Wildfire. This this is, I think, the best Scott Snyder we've had in a, in a while. Uh, at IDW, this is issue four of what I assume is five, because he, he set it up as a five-part thing in the beginning with the five stages of a wildfire, and this is the stage four. Mm. Um, and this is also very much the climax, turning point of the story anyway. But Yeah, the, the, again, end of the second act, the betrayal, the thing. And so... I, this is, this has been great. I mean, I, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the same thing I said before. Is the t- the title is bad? I don't know if Dark Spaces is something he's trying to use as like a branding thing, but it doesn't work because when I first saw it, I thought it was another like sci-fi horror thing, and it's yeah. just a sort of it's a straight up crime story. Yeah. Anyway, if you just refer to it as Wildfire, then that's. I mean, I, it feels like Dark Spaces is the like whatever it's presents like his imprint. Yes. So, you know, there was a twist here that I didn't see coming. I thought some, I just, so we have, we've had these, these convicts because you may or may not know if you don't live in California that a lot of people who fight the wildfires here are, are convicts, which is its own fucked up situation to begin with. But, uh, these four, these five women are on a firefighting crew and they get, they get, you know, sort of surrounded and they find this house and turns out that one of the women used to work for the, the guy who owns the house and he's a giant rich asshole. He's got like billions of dollars in crypto in there and they're going to steal it from his servers and while they're in there you better uh, hurry it's about to lose a lot of value yeah well while they're in there the crypto dropped 45 percent uh these mercenaries show up and so that's the, that was the end of the last issue that was the cliffhanger was these guys with guns and masks show up and, and so now we've got the confrontation here and uh one of the women the one who, who knows the boss gets dragged away by the mercenaries and you're so you first you're like oh shit what horrible stuff's about to happen to her 
Um, but then I thought, well, maybe they're just using her to get into the computers. And it turns out she's actually the leader of the gang. And so we know from this story that five people are going to be dead because there's five bodies in the flash forward. We've seen one of them so far. We assume that it'll be more of the mercenaries. But it, I just think this is this is very well done. There's a lot of nice parallel storytelling and uh, flashbacks, and the, the characters are interesting. I still think the art's good, even if that one woman doesn't look like a woman so much. So it's I always think, confusing. Well, they were all covered in soot, so they all look like they had super hairy faces. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the art can quite keep up with the complexity of the story. Mm-hmm. I like the style of it. I don't really have it, but... I think a more uh, veteran artist could probably keep things a little more clear in terms of who I'm looking at. Yes. Uh, and I think that that would have made this stronger. It's a, it's, it is a little bit of a struggle for me in a storytelling standpoint. I like the style, though. I think the style is yes. really strong. And I think it's better than a lot of the RDW art you see in sure. a lot of comics. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. I, I was surprised. I'm happy you talked about that first issue when I was gone off the show because I wasn't planning on reading it and I, I wouldn't have read it otherwise. And, and yeah. I'm enjoying so, it. It's it's nice to see uh, Scott Snyder stretch out a little. Yes, for sure. So those are the books we wanted to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown, and this week's pick for patron pick was Once in Future, number 30, the final issue of the Kieran Gillen, Dan Mora saga at Boom Studios. And uh, this has got colors by Tamara Bonvillon and letters by Ed Dukeshire. And uh, I read the first arc of this... I think it was, I don't remember how many issues I read, but maybe six, five or six. And I, I finished those issues. I thought that was fine. I, I enjoyed that enough and I don't need any more. And now here we are returning for the final issue. And you, I assume you read none of those issues. That's correct. So this is interesting for you. Um, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> so uh, if, if I recall correctly, and it's been a while, this whole story has been about basically... Um, all of England's myths and legends are real. So uh, the the main character we find out is is somehow related to King Arthur, and the whole Knights of the Round Table come back and Beowulf. That's something British fiction's never done before. <laughs> and Beowulf and all those things are involved. By the time we get to here, I mean this is very much like a. I want to. I don't want to say it's an epilogue because there's a big, you know, climactic action sequence, but. Um, I didn't really know, know what was going on. But I did re- remember it enough to so, sort of follow it. And then the, the, I, thought, I liked the ending with the family and the whole idea of the rains that w- wash away everybody's memories of what had happened and sort of the cycle beginning anew. I liked all that bit. But, you know, I, other than that, I was kind of lost because it was the final issue of the book I haven't read, read since in 20-something issues. I, so, you know, to be frank i finished it and i went mm. like I mean, hands up shrug right. like i i wasn't really able to make much of it which is not the same thing as this is bad uh yeah. at all and and so it, it led me to thinking about like as i was reading it i was like this is really well done i think dan mora is i don't know how he's doing this plus the other books or whatever I mean, it's amazing this got done right. uh he's getting a better page rate over at dc though um <laughs> and like I, I thought this was really high quality and good. I don't understand. I'm fairly familiar with Arthurian legend, but I don't know yeah. it well enough. I think to get anything out of this, which I think tends to be a thing with to, Kieran Gillen. To be fair, your your understanding is all from the uh, Monty Python. Oh, absolutely. Strange women lying in ponds and such. 
Um, I think I think from what I recall, this is more of like this isn't the Arthurian legend of uh, your movies and TV shows. This is the actual sure. Arthurian legend, so it was a lot darker and more fucked well, up. Than- the point is, I think that Kieran Gillen, his deal is to it kind of assumes that you know what he's referencing every time right. he does things like this, and he has a lot. I don't love Kieran Gillen's stuff, but it's not because he's not good. It's because it's not for me. Like, I think he's really mm. good. And when he does stuff that fits more into my wheelhouse, I'm, I'm usually like, oh, this is fantastic. I, like, I really get it. So if he's talking to you and he's talking to your interests, I think it really connects. I mean, and he's a veteran. Like, it's weird because, like, we've, you know, known him and his work for a billion years. But, like, he's, mm-hmm. a, he's a stone-cold veteran at this point, you know. Oh, sure. uh, and I feel like he's doing the thing he loves. He does it really well. He's just not for me most of the time. And that makes yep. it really difficult to read his books uh, for most of the time. Like, and I want to like them, but I have learned, like, you know, I think we just tried it with Eternals, and I was like, nope. You know, <laughs> and I, I'm, I have no doubt that this is a good comic book. I, it really, it felt like I was like, I feel like you've got good closure. This seems like structurally a really good final issue. I have an idea about who these characters, I know some of the characters, I got, I got confused a little because there's, but of course I would get confused a little bit, but there was nothing in this, nor should there have been, that was going to help me get up to speed. Right. It's the final yes. issue of a book. It was the final read. issue of a, uh, of a, of a uh, uh, you know, like a, a single story. It wasn't like. You know, like a, like right. a, like a serial where it was going all over the place. It was one story, um, and the thing is, for me as reading it, if I got confused or lost, I at least had the Dan Moore pages to look at, which I, I, yeah. you know, oh, one absolutely. of my favorite current artists right now. I thought the, you know, big giant big action sequences were really well done. There was great character stuff. Got to draw some big dragon um, things, you know. Yeah, I mean, it was fun to look at. Even when I was like, I don't know what's happening, but there's a big dragon fight, and that's cool. So it's harder to do do a book like this. I mean, I, I I think it's interesting that they picked this. I think it's fun to mix it up. I think picking up the last issue of a book. I think they did this once before. Mm-hmm. What was it that Ice Cream Man book or something? Mm, no, because Ice Cream Man's still ongoing. I think. Okay, well, some they picked some book that was either at very deep in the run or towards the end, and that's I, fine. You know, mix like, it up. Got, at some point, there was like a Savage Avengers issue that was either the last one or real near the end. I think, and it mm. is interesting. It's much more interesting. We're always talking about number ones and the setup for the story and whether you want to keep going or not. You right. Know? So I guess here the question isn't are you sticking with it? The question is would you be, would it be worth it to go back at the begin to the beginning? Like would you want? Well, I mean, to, I did go I, back. I did read the beginning. I, right. I read. No, I know, but like, would you want to actually read the whole story? Having no, I, I I got my fill. Right. I got my fill. I I enjoyed it well enough, but I didn't love it enough to keep going. And I, and you you do eventually run into the Kieran Gillen problem, which is what you illuminated before. It's. Eventually, just like I don't, I don't know what he's talking about, uh, but he does. And if you do, uh, if you're like, yeah. if you've got this Arthurian stuff, or you're really into it, I bet this is fantastic. I have no doubt. And the thing is, I do remember really enjoying the the first arc, but also getting the feeling like I don't think I need more. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't need more. It's just like that was fun. Well, he said I don't. It was I, supposed to be six issues, and it became thirty, which is. Well, because it was it it, it blew right. up. It got really popular. They went through like six. Which printings is which of is it. by the way the least surprising thing ever from a Kieran Gillen book. Oh, you, you'd like five times more done. <laughs> so, I feel like I, I feel like I got the story in the first arc and didn't really need more of it. Anyway, this was interesting. Ratings. I, it's very hard to rate. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna cut the baby in the middle down the middle. Two point five out of five. 
Sure. Same. Whatever. I was going to say three, but I think what you said makes more sense. 2.5 feels like a failing grade, whereas, like... It does. But we're not... This isn't school. But you're right. Like, honestly, I do not feel like any number I give it here is going to mean anything. So it doesn't matter. And we're not sticking with it because it's the final issue. Patreon.com or Josh Just. We're not going back and reading right. more of it. So I guess that's more more pertinent answer. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go. Every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. And we thank all the patrons who do so. Uh, let's And also, hey, if you're a patron at the $5 or higher level, you get to have a superpower live on the show like this fellow. Tony Bev, Bevel. Bevel? Bevy? Tony Bevel. <laughs> which sounds like which sounds like one of those gangster names we used to give out. Here's Tony Bevel. Um, he likes he likes he likes a, a nice clean cornice. I think there was a, I think this is exactly the same thing that happened in about time, but I'm going for it anyway. He can okay. relive any moment uh, that that he has experienced as if it is happening to him at that time. So he can transport his current consciousness back to that time. And he knows who he is. For how long? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I don't have that. I mean, obviously, he can't stay there forever. But I was thinking of it in terms... I'm not going to put a rule on it because I'm not sure. So he, he, he takes his mind and consciousness and puts it back in his old right. body. And so he can... What happens to the current body when that's happening? Nothing. Time doesn't change. Oh, so it's instantaneous. Yeah, it's just like having a... It's like thinking about a memory or whatever. But he, he puts his... And he so he can experience those things again and, like, appreciate all that stuff. So, like... So this is a very interesting relativity conundrum in, in that you put your main, your your consciousness back in an old memory and maybe, let's say, you're there for an hour, but in your current time, it's only an instantaneous well, memory. Well, does time... Is thought... What is, is, what is th- time? Is thought subject to the rules of the fourth dimension? If you think about... I, I, I believe I understand this, that if you have a dream, the time that the mm-hmm. dream actually takes is much less than the time experienced in the dream. Oh, for sure. So I think it works yeah. kind of like that. But the point... And there, there's, there's substances you can take that will eclipse your understanding of time. Mm-hmm. You know, perhaps illicit substances that will make you think you're, you know... You, yeah. It, it, the brain and time and and how consciousness is all very interesting. Well, either way, uh, you know, if you want to go back and have a day with your kids that's super magical and you want to experience and have it again because they're getting old, I just had a feeling, by the way. Um, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> it's like uh, you know that that's that's how. You, so Tony, I, I would consider this to be one of the best, luckiest powers to have because. Life flies by really fast. So, but if you can experience those things that made you can't change them. You can't. It's not. It's not that. But you experience because like watching a movie you've seen before. But you experience in it in the way you sort of experience a dream. No, I mean it's fully. It's conscious. You and you know. What I mean is, you can't go back into your old body and buy a bunch of Apple stock in right. 1994. You're, wa- you're watching the experience through those eyes, knowing what you know. You're, you're just you know like like you're in that experience again. Right. You're in yeah. it. Cool. Yeah. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. If you give it the $5 or higher level like Tony, you get your superpower live on the show. Thanks for being patrons. Let's do one, at least one. Um, well, maybe, maybe we can squeeze both of them. Tony S. says, I'm getting back into comics after being out of it for two years, or about two years, and I've recently got back into your podcast too, even going back and rewatching your video shows, which were a big part of me getting into comics originally years ago. So I'm reading Sandman for the first time finally, and it's making me really crave some good non-superhero ongoings. 
I know it's technically DC, but still. I'm sad that Vertigo is gone, as for decades they were the premier place for that. And Image took that over in the past 15 years. But when I fell out of comics, part of it was because so many Image books that I loved went on hiatuses or disappeared. <laughs> Stuff like Southern Bastards and Lazarus, which is still around. So keeping up with the books like that got less exciting, and it's hard to tell what indie books are exciting right now. I've noticed nine out of your last ten picks of the week were Marvel or DC books. This, this email came in a couple weeks ago. And I'm wondering if this is not a great time in comic right now for creator-owned ongoing series. If there are any that you guys have been loving over the past year, I'd love some recommendations. I picked up Love Everlasting. That's Tom King's one of my favorite writers right now. But so far, I don't have a strong opinion of it. Just trying to get a feel for the state of the industry after my time away, too. <clears throat> I'm trying to think, like, in the last two years, if there's been anything. Well, the, the that, ironic that, thing about this email reading on the show is I think half the books we talked about were non-superhero indie books. <laughs> Um, one, two, yes, I noticed three, that. four, the, the, five-ish. Once the indies have been putting out a, a lot of stuff lately. It feels like. Well, we've talked about this before. I'm not not not, not blaming you, Tony. You've been listening, but uh, it's not the same as it was even five years ago. No, it, there's. I'm reading way more image comics now than I was a few years ago. However, to use a baseball metaphor. There are a lot more singles and doubles than there are home runs. There's a lot, a lot of books yes. that I read and go, that's pretty good. But nothing I'm like, damn, that's amazing. Like it was, you know, that image boom we talked about with Southern Bastards and Lazarus and, and Black Science and, you know, uh, Saga and, and all, you know, all those books that were coming out that time. Which, and he's right, many of those didn't finish. Yeah. Because everything Basically that I thought of in that them. first paragraph, yeah just dropped off and went away. Lazarus is, is not unfinished. It's actually still going just at a glacial pace. Right. But the, the, um, the, that period of time when, when it seemed like every week there was at least one amazing new image book doesn't really happen right now. Yeah. And th- every week there's like, no, that was a pretty good image book or even that was, that's, that's, I mean, do a power bomb. I think is terrific, but it's, it's less, it's on the verge of superhero because they're wrestlers and they're fantastical, but it's also, it's also a mini series. Yeah. It's not an ongoing. You're I right. mean, like, like it right. feels like he's talking about those ongoing, you know, your Sandman's, your 50, 60 you're issues, right. something right. like that. I mean, it's a tough question. I think, I think that those things, because audience attrition is too high at this point and they don't get the chance to finish. I mean, maybe once we definitely talked about this on last week's show, there was a, yes. on the mega show, there was an email similar to this, but um, it's a tough, it's, it's tough. It's a different market right now. And, for whatever reason, images output is not as strong as it was. I'm looking back at our my master spreadsheet I mean, here. The the thing is this: you just said I'm reading Sandman for the first time. There is a massive true library of things that you can go back to that are going to take you plenty of time to read. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know if you can grab them from the library. You want to buy them or get them digitally or whatever. But you know, like go into that vertical catalog there's 15 years of excellent comics in there like if you haven't if you like salmon like make sure you read lucifer make sure that you read the unwritten make sure that you read like there's all of this stuff that's there you know if i i was trying to think of more recent non-superhero ongoings and i'm having a really hard time with it the scumbag Maybe, but that you got that. Well, I guess it was, it was 16 I mean, issues. What, what, yeah. what is an ongoing? But they're you know? all shorter. So, you know, the, my other thing was like those Kyle Starks books, but those aren't super long ongoing. They're great non-superhero stories. Yeah. You know, that might be it. But if you want that 60 issue Garth Doesn't Ennis, right now. I, can't, I can't think of anything new that's doing that. You know, but like if you haven't, go back and read Queen and Country. 
Go yeah. read, you know, uh, if you haven't, if you've read Preacher, you know, go read all of the Hellblazer stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's not, there's a ton of stuff you can't have read all. If you haven't read Sandman, there's gonna there's definitely gonna be a lot of stuff you haven't read. And that's the great thing about comics is they don't have to be new. What, what, you're not missing out on any zeitgeist right now. There's not like no, a not at all. Oh shit! Everyone's talking about this book. It's not happening. So for for all intents and purposes, whatever back issues you read are new to you, and that's really the only thing you need to, the feeling you need to get. You know, and it and it holds up. I mean, it, uh, criminal. You know, that's ostensibly oh. one story. Uh, um, Velvet. There was like a an omnibus of that thing. Velvet. Um, I'm looking what at what I can Velvet? see on my shelves, but. There's a ton of stuff. Like, there's some great books that started it and finished. You know, like, it's not superhero, but just on the continuing on the Ed Brubaker, you know. Um, oh, crap. What's the book? Uh, him and Sean Phillips. We did a show on it recently, you know, probably in the last three years. Uh, Lynch and... and uh, oh, uh, Sleeper. Sleeper. You know, like, yeah. like that's, that's a good 24 issues or something that you could read. Um you know, I'm looking, I'm looking at our Pixel Week for the last couple of years, and even this. I mean, it, uh, the whole industry has sort of moved into a miniseries yes. arena. Anyway, that's even superhero books are kind of all it's just a series of miniseries. But um, I'm the only really ongoing book I'm seeing here on the list is Firepower from Somni and Kirkman. That's sort of a fantastical kung fu dragon story. It's not really in that in that range, but you had like uh, Carmen. We really, really, really liked. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that Mark Russell was doing with other publishers, like the Second Coming books, the two miniseries there. But they're but they're short. I mean, the less than right. 10 and that's my point: is part. everything is yeah. everything of these days is kind of six issues and done. Um, I mean, but like Google, Maze book, best Vertigo series. You're going to see something there that's fantastic that you haven't read. Read that. You know, I'm sure there's free teaser issues, you know, out there on a lot of those kind of things. Uh, you know, read those things. I mean, you know, if you like Tom King, make sure you've read all of his maxi series. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's not a loser in the bunch. Some are better than others, but. It's it's just, t- I mean, if you like Sandman, read Neil Gaiman's North, Norse mythology books, even though he didn't write them. He, they're based on his stories. Uh, I mean, I, I think if you like Sandman, like you, you. You absolutely must read Lucifer next. Yes, I agree. sixty issues. Mike Carey, Sandman, uh, Lucifer, and Hellblazer. I think probably they know that'll hold you for a while. Yeah, but they, it has changed, Tony. It's it's a different market now than it was when you were when you were in reading. And I miss it this terribly. A, if you like, if you haven't read, you listen to the show up until whatever. But like, if you haven't read, like Scalped, read. That's fantastic. Uh, it's how many issues? 60? 50? 60. 60. 60. I mean, you know that. that that stuff exists. It's just like I don't have to tell you – if you ask for me for a great novel, I don't have to tell you a novel from the last two years because there's definitely something you know, in the last 50 years or more that is still worth reading. Is Saga still coming out? I mean, ostensibly. It came back. It yeah. came back for – is it still coming out though? I don't know. I, th- I mean, it was for a bit. I just stopped paying attention. I think two or three of them came out, and I don't believe I've seen one in a little while. It's the thing. I didn't go back into it because I just was like, I can't. I I just I don't I don't want this. Mm-hmm. It's great, but it each issue also is so short yeah. that it just I couldn't get back into it. It's, it's yeah, been too I need, long. To get back, I need to get back into the trades. This is a fast email from Glenn H from Texas with the introduction of DC Universe Infinite Ultra. 
I was wondering what y'all's opinion of it is. Are any of y'all subscribers or will you be? I upgraded my account because a one month wait for new issues to hit the service was too good to pass up. Do you think this will hurt shops? It's definitely made me think about my buying habits in regards to what comics I want to own and what comics I just want to read. So if you don't know, uh, you're probably like Josh. Uh, they announced the Comic-Con. I know what it is. Near Comic-Con, the DC Universe Infinite Ultra, the very long titled app. Uh, the, it's, it's the DC Universe, you know, pay one monthly fee and get access to everything. Was going from a six-month wait to a one-month wait to match Marvel's uh, Marvel Infinity. Is that what it is? Uh, Marvel is it, are, they, are, they, are they at one month too now? Yeah, so they're both at one month. Oh, wow. So It's Hulu. It's Hulu, but with a one-month delay as opposed right. to whatever, uh, 24 hours or whatever Hulu's yeah. delays. We obviously are are not because we wouldn't be able to do the show. <laughs> but um, if I wasn't doing the show, you I mean, would one hundred percent do that. I, I, our, our friend of the show, Mike Romo, texted me. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" Because he he was like, "This is a good deal." Because the introductory yeah. rate that DC Universe Infinite Ultra, I just like saying it, uh, offered was really really good. I don't have it in front of me, but it's cheap. And I, and I, they're talking about it on our Discord channel, and somebody looked into the fine print and it said basically if you. Join at the introductory rate, and you re up every year. You get to keep that rate. That's really good. Yeah. So if you're thinking about it, I'm, I'm not shilling for this. I don't get anything for it. But I mean, it seems like a good deal to me. But no, we are not. Members. So then the elephant in the room then becomes those retailers, right? And I have held, and I still it's a good believe deal it. if you're interested in digital comics, that's what you want to Exactly. I I believe that you know as digital stopped at ten percent ish. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, more or less, you know, yeah. the business of digital versus retail is separate. They're different products. It's not about the stories. It's about the object mm-hmm. at, at retail. Now, how long can physical comics remain viable? I don't know, but from all accounts, they're doing great. And I don't think it's because of DC single issues. Yeah, I mean, you 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 would think that eventually it would happen, but it just who knows? I mean, if even a, a pick up a person here, a person there, after a while, it adds up. But I don't know. I think the existing comic book, physical comic book market is interested in physical comic books, and they don't need to worry about digital. They are not there, right? Solely for the stories, they are there for the story and or the object. Hmm. Hmm. You know, and the, the object and or the story. It, it might be. If I I don't know, I, I don't I don't think it matters so much, and I think that that's why. Well, with all these distribution changes, I think that's why Marvel and DC are now like, well, this is ridiculous. Like we, we have this content. We you know we need to find another way. I don't. I mean, also like, if if this um, if this uh, what's the word cannibalized publishing then neither of those companies would do it either. They, too, benefit from physical issue sales more than than whatever this one-time fee is. They've done this math, theoretically. And and, You know what I mean? Like, like they make more money from the issues, from the physical issues they're buying. That's what they want to do. And they can't, because of the retailers, they're unable to lower the price of the digital single issues that are same day. So there's this. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. <laughs> you don't need it. I know. I'm looking at it, though. I like a deal. I like a deal. <laughs> I like I a good deal. I don't, I don't need it. No. no but, like, in no way do you need it. 
But you're like, what if it goes up and I do need it later? And then I'll right, have to pay Right, what if I need more. it in 10 years? So I'm going to pay it for eight years until I need it. It's $100 a year for unlimited, all the DC Comics. I mean, that's crazy. Can I, uh, can I just say, Connor, what do you think about this? Uh-huh. iFanboy's pick of last month. <laughs> pick of the month. Pick, pick, of, of, <laughs> pick of the last month. Pick of the last month. That'll, be, that'll go over big with the kids. But anyway, Glenn, uh, it's, it's cool. I don't think you need to feel any. I I I would say no, don't feel do the about. thing if it is the thing that works for you. If 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 a company is offering you a way to buy their comics, don't feel guilty about taking that route. Mm-hmm. Feel guilty about stealing them, but don't feel guilty about taking a legal uh, offered uh, yeah. path. Contact at ifanboy.com. Thanks for writing in, Tony and Glenn. You can write into there, get email on the show, or to our media explode show. If it's for media explode, please put media explode in the subject line. Thank you very much blast through this so patreon.com slash ifanboy is the best way to help us we appreciate all of our patrons uh i actually started working on the new stretch goals i started it i had a few minutes i started a stretch spreadsheet so uh that'll hopefully be coming uh, my my guess is our new stretch goals will probably debut in january but Ooh. but maybe before that i don't know we'll talk we'll talk i haven't shown josh the spreadsheet yet so we'll see uh, is where you can get our t-shirts ifanboy.com slash support is where you can give us a digital uh, tip via PayPal ifanboy.com slash Amazon is where you can find our Booksplode books and general link and bookshop.org is our partner for our, some of our Booksplode books uh, you can find those links on appropriate pages and we appreciate the help there and so do the small bookstores that get helped by bookshop.org so thanks to support the show all those ways we do appreciate it let's get out of here uh, we have some shows coming up this month, when now we're in October, well, last month we had our special edition Moonfall vs. Geostorm show. I still wanted to plug that one because it was a lot of fun. Josh and I talked about the two late, uh, two of our most recent disaster movies, which we love, and that was in, in place of the Talksplode show. Uh, this month you'll have Cosmic Odyssey, our Booksplode discussion. Uh, I think this coming week. We haven't scheduled and or recorded it yet, but that's the plan. And then sometime in there there'll be a special edition Black Adam review, uh, maybe the following week. And then uh, somehow also a media explode show. <laughs> somehow you're going to get three shows in the next two weeks. Somehow we'll figure that out how that'll work. But we'll, we'll do it somehow. The media explode show. Or the plan is to review the first season of House of the Dragon and the Lord of the Rings: The Rings of Power. So you can look forward to that coming out in the next two weeks. Yes. <laughs> Just like I'm never going to finish Lord of the Rings before then. That's what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm behind. I'm like three behind. I am current on House of the Dragon, however. Yes. I am. Uh, head over to ifanboy.com, which is a, which is a review on its own. Uh, head over <laughs> to ifanboy.com to find out about all of our shows and all the comic book writing from our talented writers that have been there. Go to facebook.com slash ifanboy or follow at ifanboy on Twitter and at ifanboycomics on Instagram. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. Um, pretty soon, you will have a whole month to figure out what the pick of the week is. Um, right. <laughs> we switched yeah. to that model. Pick of the, pick of the week. Pick of the month. Yep. Pick of the last month. Uh, <laughs> 30 days pick a go. It's a mouthful. Uh, C.S. Kilpatrick and J.A. Flanagan on Instagram. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy. Um, that stuff's all there. Uh, if you dig our show, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going for it. If you all like right. our show, write a review, leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever the podcast you're using is. Uh, better yet, tell people directly. Uh, social media, uh, friends, um, <laughs> the letter carrier. Yeah, letter Somebody's carrier. like mail mailman. 
or person uh, is just like, please stop telling me about this. <laughs> You've been telling me about this for 12 years. I don't read comics. Like, yeah, but you know what? Try episode 750. It's, it's a little more free-ranging. They give relationship advice. Um, <laughs> there you go. That's the show. Thank you very much. All right. I'll talk to you next week. All right. You're Connor. Josh. <laughs>